Listening to The Holistic Voice with your hosts, Austin Vitaliano and Jordan Reynolds. Welcome, everybody, to The Holistic Voice. Austin Vitaliano here. And Jordan Reynolds. And we are really excited to be speaking with Whitney Robinson, our friend from New England Conservatory of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. She is currently an artist diploma student, finishing out her first year, right? Whitney, thank you so much for joining us. What is an artist diploma degree? How is your year? How has your experience been? So I'm an artist diploma candidate. And what this entails is it's a diploma that is a two-year program and it allows me to be coached and take lessons and I get priority on operas. And as a new a new extension or bonus this year, we've officially started a joint program with Odyssey Opera. So I was able to perform and make my debut with them in the fall in um, one of their productions. That's awesome. Wow. And for our listeners, Odyssey Opera is a Boston-based opera company that I remember in our in our graduate program, they liked to pull from students in NEC and then BOCO as well. And I know that um, our opera director had a close tie with Odyssey Opera. So that's great, Whitney. Congrats. So Whitney, Jordan and I were talking and the topic of this episode really deals with auditions. Um, really want to split up the interview in three different parts, the preparation that goes into an audition, then the audition itself, what happens the day of, what to expect, and then any advice that you would give. So more specifically geared towards the classical genre of auditioning for programs, whether that means young artist programs or company auditions, um, or even uh, if we wanted to do competitions as well. I think that that would be a really good idea to bring into this genre. Uh, what do you think, Jordan? That's That all sounds great to me. I think it's important that we mention that this is going to be one part of a series we'll do on auditions. So if you're out there looking for musical theater auditions or you're doing commercial music, things like that, we're going to come to those. But this episode is going to address specifically classical music, and I'm sure you'll be able to pull away things from that as well. So jumping right into the start of auditions, you have to take a step back. We need to look at the preparation, the research it takes to first find the audition that you feel best suited for. For example, going on YAP Tracker, Young Artist Program Tracker, is a great database where you can find a lot of listings of auditions there. Jordan, you want to talk a little bit more about um, that kind of database in your experience, and Whitney as well? Sure, yeah. So YAP Tracker, it's a yearly subscription, 90 a year, and I think it's like less if you're recurring or something. Yeah, so it's that much money, and then you have access to all like the stream of auditions, a lot of stuff that you probably don't even care to see, but there's there's some good stuff that you want to audition for. So I found it's worth it to have it. Would you like to add anything to that, Whitney? So because Yap Tracker does have a subscription, I'd say depending on your level and what extent you're going to apply to each program or competition, that would frame my investment. Because a lot of these companies list on Yap Tracker, but a lot of times you can fill out the applications without actually purchasing the year-long subscription. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're doing one program, maybe not. But if you're trying to apply to a large span of programs or competitions, then I would say it's, it's worth it. <laughs> 
Because Whitney, that doesn't even include the fee that it costs you to apply to the actual program, correct? Yeah. If, if the program has an additional application fee, then that is not included in the year or the two-year subscription. Mm-hmm. All you're getting are like listings of auditions for that money. And it is great because if you are on the subscription, then you get daily emails, which are both wonderful and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it really uh, keeps you up to date. So like when you're on the train or waiting at like a doctor's office, you can just be flipping through and see what is new because it always sends you the newest uploads from companies everywhere and programs everywhere, competitions. So say that we have decided to opt in for Yap Tracker um, and you click on one of the company postings for an audition, usually they are asking for a certain makeup of arias or packages that they would like to hear on the day of the audition. You guys want to talk a little bit about aria packages? Yeah, um, I'd say it definitely depends on what specific program you are applying for. Each program kind of has its own requirement as far as audition packages. And that's really important to read very carefully. I'd say a standard, a general standard would be five arias in three languages and a music theater piece. If you have that, then for most applications, you are covered. The things where it gets tricky is a lot of times programs or companies will require a Mozart or Handel, and a lot of times they'll require a new music aria, which is like post-1950s. So in those cases, it's really important to read these application and audition requirements really closely because each application is different. Right. And I think it's important to be looking at what what productions these companies are putting on. You know, so you have access to that, seeing what shows they've been doing and be able to tell if you'd be a good fit for something like that. That's that's a really good point, Jordan. If you have the option or ability to see what their 2019-2020 season is, it's going to help you in what types of pieces that you're going to be prepping. Because if they're going to be doing Wagner and you have a package of all light lyric works, um, that's not might not necessarily be the company that you want to be reaching out to this year or this season. Yeah. Additionally, as you advance more in this process, if you see that they're doing something that you know an aria from or have the ability to learn the aria from for a certain character that you're looking into, it's really important to offer them those. Like I, I know a lot of people are a little wary because in I think in music theater, it's a little different. But in opera, if you want a role and you want to sell them that you can do that role, don't make it hard for them. Yeah, right. And for any musical theater people listening, I would love your opinion on that because I think it's so crazy in musical theater that they don't want to hear the pieces from the show. (laughs) But in opera, it's very much that way. Like if they have the opera listed, sing from the show. That will help your chances. If you don't have something from that show, sing from the composer. Which musical theater people are usually okay with if you sing something from the composer, but not the show. But if you sing from the show, it's like frowned upon (laughs) for some reason. Once you have found your package and you've booked an audition, then the financial aspects start to come into play that you really have to be cognizant of when you're going for uh, especially a slew of auditions, five or six during a two or three month period. You really have to understand that there are a lot of financial costs that come into an audition, just to name a few, you know, hotel bookings or a flight or a bus taking time off work, etc. So in your guys' experience, how do you prep for those type of financial barriers for yourself? Or or what other financial barriers do you guys think of or our audience should know about? 
I think travel is really important. So making sure you've budgeted ahead some money and know that it's not going to be just the application fee or the accompanist fee at the audition. It's going to be all that, like where you're going to stay. And so really planning that out in advance is important. I would agree. I think there there are ways that you can try to make things a little more cost efficient because as you said, if you're doing five to six or even as many as like 20 auditions, it's a lot, it's a lot to get to New York or get to the audition location and really set yourself up for success. So I, my biggest thing here is like you, if you can use your networking, use your networking, <laughs> reach out to your aunts, brothers, dogs, godmother, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stay on their couch. Um, yeah. The other thing is figure out where you want to put your money. So like if it's going to set you up best to fly in the night before and have a good night's rest in a hotel or at a friend's place, do that. But if you can handle taking a bus up the day of, maybe, but it's something that's very per person, I would say. That's actually something I was going to mention too. It might be financially better to not go up the night before. If you're going to be in a better headspace and you're going to sing better, you know, you should weigh those options. And like you said, there's this other whole other aspect where we have this life outside of auditioning. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my experience, I've actually had to do mostly day in, day out trips. And there are some things that I've found that have been really helpful. If you're on the East Coast and you're getting to New York, something that is worth exploring, I think, is Amtrak. Yeah. I've used them a lot season. Okay. It's a smooth ride. And I felt more rested than a bus or even a flight because a flight doesn't take you into the heart of New York. You have to go from JFK or LaGuardia, but Amtrak drops you off right at the center near Opera America. And so that's that was a lot easier for me. Something else I think is worth mentioning is if you are going to drive in the day of, there's this app that I think people should know about. It's called Best Parking App. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to reserve parking ahead of time so you're not scrambling to find parking in the city and you can review like how much it's going to cost and usually there are discounts and you can compare rates and stuff so that is also worth looking into but thinking about this is like a one-size-fits-all yeah exactly it's all our personal experience and that's why having as many people on this interview is is good having three different experiences so at best parking is that uh, we have something similar called Spot Hero in D.C. that we use, and it sounds very similar. Have you guys heard of that, too? I've been using Spot Hero here in Boston a few times, actually. And last note for financial, especially if you're doing, like, um, grad school auditions or even just undergrad auditions, and you're going around the country flying to these things, um, it's worth talking to the schools and, like, trying to organize your schedule. Because I remember um, I was set to audition at USC and New England Conservatory, like right next to each other. And I remember it was going to be like I'd have to fly west and then fly back east and then go back west again. I remember it was something like that. But then I talked to them um, and I was able to move to a week that I knew like would be better for my schedule and I wouldn't have to spend so much money traveling. So definitely try to figure that out. Okay, so now we have, you know, we've budgeted it out. We have our ARIA package. I wanted to talk about what I'm packing in my suitcase right before the audition. So in your experience, what you usually bring for an audition. Now, I know that this is not exact for every audition. This is just kind of our my personal experience, and then, of course, your guys' experience as well. For me personally, I've always packed a nice, well-fitting suit. I like a dark navy suit with a, with a contrasting tie and a white shirt. 
nice shoes. I do brown shoes and uh, don't, you know, I don't have long hair. It doesn't go in front of my face. I know very pedantic details, but again, to be honest, you're kind of selling an image when you're going for an audition, just like an interview. They are seeing a version of you that they potentially could cast in a role. So what is, what is your both experience with what you wear, what you look like? I think a really key thing in preparing your outfit is first and foremost, it has to be something that you are comfortable in. And the next thing after that. So if this is an outfit that you feel when you're choosing an outfit, those two take priority because if you feel good and you feel like you look good, then you sing better. Has been my experience. The other thing to know is know your panel. So if you mm. look at this panel and they're like a lot of cutting edge people who you have like watched videos of them giving master classes, or you know someone who's worked with them and they're more relaxed, then they might like a more casual vibe of just like slacks and a nice dress shirt or a day dress, something a little more simple. And then if you know that they're very formal in how they interact with others, then that's when maybe you dress up a little nicer. Mm-hmm. Play to your audience and always know behind the table that's great advice like i know especially coming from classical and doing more musical theater work i've had some people tell me to kind of relax on my outfits because i've come in like really formal but for musical theater they usually don't want that that was something i had to learn the hard way yeah and that's great it's three different points that's the whole purpose of this interviews is it is individual for each person so i think whitney playing to the strengths of of who is going to be seeing you is a really great point so thank you for that all right well let's then jump into the audition the day of what is your what is your routine i'm really curious to hear jordan and whitney what you do the day of and before you walk in the door of the audition looks like for you what do you see who is around you etc The main thing I like to do before an audition is fill my time with things that I won't be stressing about the audition for. (laughs) So I think it's important to spend time warming up, you know, getting in the right headspace, especially right before the audition. But if I don't give myself something to do, then I know the way my brain works, I'm just going to be thinking about it the whole time. So I like if I'm going to the city or something, I'll just take a walk or um, just get out and and do something. I also get really chatty at auditions, which is funny because I'm not a very chatty person. <laughs> but once I'm at the audition, if I'm like sitting in a room full of people auditioning, I'm just like, hey, how are you? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I just like talk the whole time and people like want me to shut up. But because um, <laughs> they're so nervous and they don't want to talk to anybody. Right. And I, I have the opposite thing happen. I just want to talk to everyone. And then my voice is tired once I start singing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So I know that about myself, which means like if I can get to the place like, you know, 15, 20 minutes early and then call it good, that's what I do. I don't go hours in advance, you know. Great. Whitney? So I think this is another case of like knowing what works for you. There are some days where, as I said, I go up to an audition like the day of. So there are some days where there's just if a train or a bus is running late, then there's not an opportunity to reserve a practice room and like warm up. Having plan B's and C's are really good for that. I always try to do some vocalizes that are less full studio sound resonators and just something to like warm up my chords. 
but also being able to know your limits as far as like singing cold or like what you need to do to sound the best, I think is really important because sometimes things happen and you really need to know like if you are able to like, if you know that you need a practice room, then you have to be proactive and reserve one the night before or find a space. You might be running all over New York, but find a space. And then that's the other thing is it's really important to, again, read those emails and those YAP applications really carefully because a lot of times they'll tell you whether there's a place that they offer a warm-up room, which is like not super common, but or if there's a space that you can procure one of your own, you know, that's basically my biggest thing the day of is I just want to arrive early enough so that I know that I make it there and that I leave time for basically disaster to strike. And that way I have all these different contingency plans as far as like what I need to do to sound my best and look my best. And one of the the first things we did at the beginning of this podcast was giving away this thing called a belt box that you can like put on your face and it quiets the sound of your vocal production. And um, sounds like it works pretty well. So maybe that could be a good option for people that don't get a practice room. They could get a practice room for your face. Yeah, I actually tried one out. How was it? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's not there's it's not going to completely uh, reduce the sound, but it does help a lot depending again on what you need. I know some sopranos, they need to sing like their highest, loudest notes mm-hmm. once in order to know that they're there. For me, it's a little different because my rep requires different things of my voice. So it really depends. Like if you just need to sing a couple scales or like a couple lines in the middle of your range, Beltbox, I think, could really help. You never know who's looking out for you, too. The door monitors, the people checking you in, um, maybe the accompanist needed to run to the bathroom. Make sure you're still professional and, you know, giving a good impression, but at the same time, just make sure that you are prepped the day of for that audition. And... um my my only thing that I always have to do is I do a steam steam shower in the morning. It, it always feels great for me, and it kind of preps me for the day um, and the warm ups that I do. But uh, yeah, just do what's best for your for yourself the day of. And so, in when you are walking in the room, as a very standard way of what you see is you have your three judges or maybe more. At the other end of the room, I I just I'll pull from the personal experience that I had last week. I had an audition at the Washington National Opera for the Kennedy Center. Um, they had their annual chorus auditions where they pick 100 singers for the 2019-2020 season. And they did not let me know what their season was prior to. So that was hard to prep for. But they just said two contrasting arias. Um, And then when I went in there, it was like they were on the other side of the room. It looked like a football field sized thing. It was probably my anxiety kicking in there. But yeah, so there were three people on the other end of the room, a pianist that I had never met before, plopped down some music and we went. And so that was the day of in the room experience that I had. The pianist played a lot slower than the tempo that I was used to, so you have to adjust for that and be confident in your tempo. But yeah, that's my day of experience. What what do you guys usually have? Is it similar? Is it different? I would say that overall, my experiences have been similar. Is I would say most of the time, you don't get to run your music with your pianist the day of or day before. If you decide to bring your own pianist, if you're doing like a really hard song, that then maybe you do. The biggest thing I think is 
you have to be prepared for anything when you walk into that room because a lot of times there are more people than were going to be there maybe um there are instances where some companies will hear that another company is hearing people and they'll be like can we sit on on your auditions mm. and maybe consider people from your pool kind of thing so you never you really do never know who's going to be in there for sure so just be prepared for anything yeah and i think the accompanist situation is a really good point to bring up i think you should be preparing music you know that will make your accompanist like you <laughs> and um so and you can have a good relationship in a short amount of time because you probably won't be able to practice with them and so bringing in an extremely complicated piece will only frustrate uh, the accompanist and you because it probably won't go exactly how you're imagining it with that said though if it is in standard repertoire and it is your best piece and you sing it the best don't feel discouraged from bringing it. A lot of new music I know is becoming more and more mainstream and pianists are expected to know it. Really mark your music clearly, make sure it's a clean copy, make sure that your notebook is pristine so that way it's just easier on them. Right. Yeah. Make sure that you mark exactly what you want for them. If there is a cut, explain exactly where it is, cross out the rest of it and go right to the next spot. If you have a ton of intro and you don't need all of that, mark a start where they can give you two bars ahead. Just make it easy for them, make it clear and concise, and just make it as easy for your accompanist as possible because usually you won't be paying a pianist to follow you around for all of these auditions. With that, I would love to ask for any other advice that you have when uh, you are in your audition season coming up. For both of you, are there tried and true pieces of advice that you have not said yet in the interview that you think it's important for our audience to know when they are prepping their spring or next fall season for auditions? I think one of the big ones is know when the audition season is coming (laughs) because it always springs up on you, I think, the last minute. And a lot of that is happening in the fall, usually, from what I understand, in, in classical in the classical world. So, you know, make sure you have your stuff ready before fall season hits. For sure. And actually, I think a lot of the program deadlines have just moved earlier and earlier. Yeah. And a lot of them will start in August. Yeah, I would say just over-prepare and don't be afraid. Like, over-prepare. Be prepared for anything. Mm-hmm. But don't be afraid to be yourself. I think in these, like, eight minutes that people get to have with us, we show them our voice, we show them our acting abilities, we show them our poise, and we also show them a little bit of who we are. And people want to work with people who they like. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. And again, back to what Austin was saying about auditions is like, it's really important to be kind, because I think things like that go a really long way. Um, because again, you never know who is watching and who you'll end up working with. A lot of these people that you're auditioning alongside of you'll end up working with later on. And I think it's important that we cultivate a village of support. Sure. Whitney, I think the coolest thing, I just want to do a shout out for you. One of the coolest things that I respected about you was the fact that you always were yourself, no matter if you were in a role, you had met a director for the first time, or you were auditioning in front of an agent or something. I remember two instances. One of them was you were auditioning for an agent in our opera seminar workshop um, with Jane Eagland. And, you know, it was great acting and everything like that, but it was still core to what you were doing. And then in your work in the Magic Flute, you're 
rapport with the director was just so professional, but it wasn't um, put on. And so I think that that's a really great point because it's great to get the audition, but it's even better to be called back for the next job. And so, you know, that's going forward for the audition. But I think that's a really good point to just keep being yourself. And if they like you, they'll like you. And if they don't, then you move on to the next one, you know? For sure. And I think as part of that is in this audition, we cast such a wide net and with success also comes, I don't want to say failure, but less success. Um, And when that happens, I feel like it's really the other thing that's really important and something to take away and be prepared for for the next season is a lot of times it's not about you and you have to take the personal aspect out of it and remember that they are casting based on programming or programming for the next two years even or who can play opposite this random super famous tenor or, you know, so like there's so many things that you can't control. So just take the good and leave all the rest. (laughs) Yeah. Don't freak out. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's such a, it's such a difficult paradox because, you know, we just talked about how important it is to be yourself in auditions and then it's also oh but don't take it personal when they don't choose you you know so <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a really hard balance to to work through but i think it's essential to make it as a performer to just let it go when it doesn't work and know that there's millions of reasons why that could be the case and it doesn't have to be because of you so bring who you are always to your audition okay so in short be totally vulnerable and genuine, but also put up a huge wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, both of those. There is being a classical singer in a nutshell, folks. <laughs> no, I think I think that's really good. It, after you leave that room, you, you know, you were never there. If you get the job, that's an awesome surprise. If you don't, it never happened. You know, go from go to as many as possible. Get that experience. Go for it. And and yeah, if 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 you guys do have any more questions, feel free to reach out to Jordan and or I about um, the audition process. And please, I mean, Whitney is extremely experienced in a lot of the the work that she's been doing with a lot of auditions and her artist diploma certificate. That program was extremely hard to get into. It took a lot of interview processes. And if you're interested in something like that, please reach out. You know, I'm sure that she would be happy to explain that process. Is it the right fit for you? And, And where to go from there in your young professional experience? Great. Hey, Whitney, where can people go to see your work? Do you have a website up or a social media account they can follow? Those are all under construction. <laughs> um, as far as seeing my work, a lot of my schedule is posted on the New England Conservatory calendar. So most of my performances as of right now are through there. Okay, great. Well, we can, uh, we'll link that once it's all finished up on our episode notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Spread the word. Much appreciated. Well, with that, Jordan, I think we've had a a really good opportunity, you know, talking about the first of many audition series episodes uh, for us on The Holistic Voice. Sure. Yeah, that was great. Thanks so much, Whitney. Of course. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 7 of The Holistic Voice as we spoke about all things auditions when it came to the classical genre. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and you have chosen to listen to ours. Thank you. Jordan and I love hearing from all of you who are listening in, so please rate and review the podcast. Please leave comments below. And if you're new, check us out on theholisticvoice.org. Again, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your stories, and we'd love to give you a shout-out on the show. Have a great week, and we'll see you in just a few for the next episode.